But I pray that you would open up our hearts and hear your message through this letter that Paul wrote. Amen. So this is a letter that Paul wrote to Titus, who was there in Crete trying to establish uh, the churches that were being planted there. Paul did it a tremendous amount of church planting. Um, what we have recorded for us in Acts, there was at, at least, scholars say, at least 14 different churches that he planted there uh, uh, throughout Asia and, and Europe. Um, those are the ones that we have recorded in Acts. There were uh, likely others as well. We, we read from, uh, uh, from church tradition that Paul didn't uh, die at first there in Rome. He was actually released at some point and was able to eventually travel out to Spain as he had been indicating in his letter to the Romans that that was his plans to do. He was able to establish some churches out there. Uh, we also uh, read from, from church tradition that, that he did come back and visit the island of Crete and, and spent some time there, as much as two years that he spent there in Crete. Um, establishing churches. Um, whether that's the time that he is writing from, at that establishment, or or at uh, the other point when he was there um, that we have recorded in Acts was during his journey back uh, or, or from Jerusalem uh, to Rome for, uh, for his trial before Herod. I've got a map up here and you might be able to see it. You remember that from our study in, in Acts that uh, Paul was uh, uh, captured in Rome, that he was put in, in under uh, arrest there with this Roman centurions. And, um, and he was alerted to uh, an attempt on his life. And so they then took him up to Caesarea. And uh, there he waited to meet with, uh, with uh, the, the leaders that were there and to be judged there by the, the Jewish leaders and the, the secular leaders that were there in that place. And, and in that, he then appealed to Caesar. And so they then took him, I'm in the middle of the map, all the way across, and he spent a little bit of time in Caesarea, I mean in Crete. We read that there in uh, Acts chapter 27, that, uh, that they were on their way and thought that they could stop in Fairhaven, but it was a poor uh, port for them. They weren't able to spend a lot of time there, but they did land and spend a little bit of time there in Fairhaven. Uh, but then we're going to go to the far end of Crete into uh, Phoenix because there was a better port over there that they would be able to uh, to find winter before all the winter storms came. But as they made their way across to Phoenix, they got hit with a big storm and then traveled across and were blown all the way to the island of Malta where eventually they were shipwrecked and uh, they spent the winter there until they were able to then make their way the rest of the way to Rome. So, so there was a, a moment when he was there in, in Crete. We don't know how long he was there. Um, uh, but certainly there was opportunity, ample opportunity for Paul to proclaim the name of Jesus, to see lives being changed, and to establish a church that later he would then um, send t Titus to to be able to uh, to build up and and establish. Um, uh, 
But I've always marveled at how little time Paul spent at these different locations, these different cities where he established these churches. Um, you know, in his, we, we don't know exactly how long he, he spent that, that's recorded there in Acts for us, how many years that actually spent, probably, probably around 20 years or so at the most uh, from his time, uh, from uh, his conversion uh, to the time when he was imprisoned in Rome. In that time, uh, as I said, recorded for us are 14 churches that he established. Uh, it, it's not unthinkable that there were even more that he that he was able to plant there as he traveled around. Um, some of the places he stayed, it seems that, that in, in Corinth, he probably uh, spent a, about three years there in Corinth. Um, other places, it looks like he was maybe there a few weeks, maybe a month or so, and then was either forced to move on or or the Lord led him to uh, to move on to another location. It, it, it marvels at, at how little time he spent in all of these different places. My, my grandfather uh, was a pastor, Grandpa Berg uh, was a pastor, and, and in his 60 plus odd years that he spent in ministry, um, he was a part of at least, uh, I think it's 12 different churches that he pastored. And uh, I know that, that he told me that there were some that criticized him as somebody who didn't have any staying power, that he wasn't able to, to stick it out in a church for a long period of time. Grandpa told me that uh, he only had so many sermons. Once he got to the end of those sermons, he would then pack up and go to the next place start preaching those sermons again. I, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but, uh, uh, but, but you can see how uh, moving on so quickly, there would be some concern about what, what are you leaving behind? And, and for Paul, in, in moving into these places and, and establishing these churches, not even working at a church that's already established, but, but brand new Christians that are there, that have just heard this good news of Jesus Christ, have given their lives to him. And then Paul up and leaves. How could he do that? All of the, the, the best um, instructions that we have for church planting tells us that, that there's discipleship takes years and years and we need to invest ourselves in long-term relationships in order to see effective discipleship happening in, in churches today. Um, but that wasn't the model that Paul was working with at all. And I think, I think the, what, what allowed him to be able to move so quickly from one location to another, to establish these churches and then move on, was his firm faith that this church was not being established by him that what was happening in this location was the Spirit of God was at work in these people's lives and that He was transforming them. And it was from their faith in Jesus Christ and what He was doing. Their faith in the, the, the truth about who Jesus was and their relationship with Him. That Paul was able to, to get things going and then move on with firm confidence 
that the one who had began a good work in that place would see it through to completion. That's really what we're seeing here in this first little part of what um, Paul is writing to Titus. He is, in some way, summarizing the whole of his letter just in these first few verses. He says that, that he is a, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, a sent one of Jesus Christ. Why? For the sake of the faith of the elect. Now I want to remind you of, of what we talked about in Philemon when we were talking about the, the shared faith that he and uh, that Paul and Philemon had that, that, uh, um, that Paul was writing about. That it wasn't, it wasn't about a, a, a religious organization. It wasn't, he wasn't talking about it like we sometimes use the word faith when we talk about the Christian faith or we talk about the Muslim faith or the, the Hindu faith. We talk about organizations of faith that, uh, uh, that, that do good works in, 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 our, in our world. When Paul is talking about this shared faith, this common faith, it is a belief in the truth of who God is. And, and we need to make sure that we don't get, get our, our understanding of that word faith twisted. When he says that, that he is an apostle for the sake of the faith of God's elect, that he is talking about the belief that those elect have in who Jesus Christ is, in their position in Christ because of what Jesus has done on their behalf and, and the assurance that they have that one day they will be with Jesus in the presence of God for all of eternity. It is that faith, those things that they believe in, that Paul is, is called to be an apostle, to encourage that faith and that belief. He then goes on to talk about what that faith is in, because we know that, that people put their faith in all kinds of different things. There are all of those different religions that are rightly called faith, that they put their faith in the teaching of Muhammad. That, that, that they believe that, that if they follow the teachings of Muhammad and and follow those the, the instructions that are there, that they will then be made right with God. Or the teachings of Hinduism, where if they worship the right gods, they, they, they uh, uh, move through the different levels of karma until they get to the enlightened place where they are absorbed into the oneness of God. That's the way that they meet their fulfilled, that they live a, a meaningful, purposeful life. Uh, people put their faith into all kinds of things. There are those we know many who put their faith in their money, in their ability to be able to accumulate material things and, and, and put their trust in that. There are others who put their faith in coming to church, in, in, in regularly putting money into an offering plate to, to being involved in different programs in church, to being here on a Sunday morning, every Sunday, uh, that that's what they put their faith in. And if they do all of those things, God will accept them. People put their faith in all kinds of different things. But, 
But what Paul is talking about, what he is moving people towards, is the faith in the knowledge of the truth. Our faith is put into the understanding of who God is. Of, of how we have rebelled against him. How we are helpless to rescue ourselves, but instead we are dependent on God to send his son to rescue us, to, to die for our sins, to take our place, to give us new life, and to lead us every day in our lives to reflect his character and his glory. That one day we will be with him for all of eternity. It is that truth that Paul was trying to build the faith of the elect in. Now, when we have that faith, when we put our faith in the truth of God, the truth of Jesus Christ, it accords with godliness. It changes who we are. We live differently. We think differently. We speak differently. Because of the faith that we have in God. Because Jesus is now leading and guiding our lives. And he is helping us to know what he wants from us. He is guiding us through all the, the, the myriad ethical choices of our lives to try and determine what is the right thing to do in this particular situation. What is the right thing to do in, in this situation? We're faced with it. I, I didn't ask him if I could talk about this, but I will anyway. My son Joshua has, has all of a sudden got this opportunity. Um, he, he's been planning. He was attending at, at Columbia Bible College uh, last semester, and he was planning on um, going. He was actually scheduled to move in today. Um, and then just this week, he had an opportunity to uh, go and do an internship down at the Cape and Ray School in Colorado in Ravenscrest, uh, in the mountains there. Suddenly, he's got this decision. What's the right decision? You know, he's been planning and, and moving towards this, uh, finishing his education at, at, at CBC and, and doing all of that, but here's this new opportunity, something that really is a, a passion of his heart that he wants to be involved in. What's the right decision? How do you know? How we know is that Jesus Christ is alive in Joshua's heart. That Jesus Christ has a plan and purpose for Joshua. And that as he puts himself in a place to listen and hear and be led where the Spirit would guide him. That he can have confidence that he's making the right decisions. That he is following Jesus. That's why I would much prefer our calling ourselves followers of Christ rather than Christians. Because that way better describes who we are. That we are the ones who listen for the instructions from our, from our Savior. That we allow Him to lead and guide us. And we follow in obedience in the directions that He leads us. What a marvelous opportunity for for Josh to have this chance to go, I don't know, what do I do? And to, to listen and to, to, to test and know what Jesus' voice sounds like. 
All of us are in that place. You know, when you're young, there are a, a, a million choices, a, a wide world that's spread out before you. But as we age, the choices don't get any less. Sometimes they get more complicated because there are far more relationships that, that are affected by the decisions that we make. There, there are so many more considerations. Joshua doesn't care about his hip being broken or something like that. He, he's going to go and do whatever. But when you're older, you have to start considering, how is this going to impact my health? The choices don't get any less. Sometimes they get even more complicated. And we need to all be in a position to be able to hear what Christ is saying to us. It's not just about big life decisions, about what am I going to do? It's about being in the grocery store. How am I going to interact with this person that I have met, that I've bumped into? What are the words that I'm going to say that are going to help me reflect Christ into this relationship? How am I going to respond to the person who offends me in some way? Am I just going to react out of the, the, the selfishness of my heart? Or am I going to stop and say, Lord, what do you want me to do in this relationship, in this moment right now? Our faith guides the way that we live. It, it, it accords with godliness. And the wonderful thing about being a follower of Jesus is that he is always there. He has a plan. He's leading and guiding us and directing our steps. And it is in that fact that day by day, moment by moment, presence of the Spirit walking with Jesus, we have the assurance of this great hope that this is just a taste what's yet to come. That we have promised to us any life in all of eternity. Knowing God, growing to understand Him and, and experience Him more deeply. Living out purposes, following His leading and guiding and whatever that will look like beyond these walls, or not these walls, beyond this day and this time. That for all of eternity, we will be living out His purposes. That's what God has promised to us. That's what we put our faith in. That's what we need our church to be built on. Our, our times together, our relationships together need to be for the sake of the faith of the elect. That when, we, that when we gather, when we talk, when we interact with one another, that we are encouraging one another in our common koinonia faith. That we are helping each other understand what is the truth of God. What, is, what are the things that we put our confidence in? How do we hear and listen to what the Spirit is speaking to us so that we can live a life out that accords with godliness, that reflects His character and, and follows in the path that He is leading each one of us down. 
how do we encourage each other with the great hope that we have of heaven? That when one of us is getting discouraged by the, the messiness of our lives here, the struggle of having to go through pain of the body, pain of the heart, the brokenness of relationships, that we would buoy one another up, pointing them to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that this is just a small piece. The, the suffering that we experience here is just uh, a blink in the scope of eternity that we have with Jesus Christ. This plan, this assurance that Paul had for the church, that he was able to then come into Crete, establish some churches, lead people to Christ, and then leave them, knowing that the Spirit would be leading and guiding. Those are the very same foundations that we need for our church. It's the very same foundations that each of us need for our own lives. That we would live of that faith. That we would be committed to the truth. That our lives would be surrendered to reflect godliness. And that we would never lose sight of what our future holds. The hope that we have in Jesus Christ and in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. For these words, these ancient words of truth that speak so clearly to our lives today. I thank you that we can that we can have the confidence that you are truth. That you love us. That you are working in our midst. And you are guiding us into that path of godliness that you have created us for and that has been in your mind before the, the earth's foundations were ever established. Lord, I pray that our faith would be strengthened today. That we would once again be refocused on what the truth of your character is all about, that, that, that we would renew our confidence in your leading and guiding in our lives, in the truth of who you are and who you are creating us to be. And would we walk this week in the wondrous hope of eternal life, that we already today have a wee taste of. Move in our hearts. Guide us now. In Jesus' name. Amen.